At the T-minus three-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. You are listening to 105.9 FM, The Radiator, W-O-M-M-L-P, Burlington. I'm your host, Abby BK, and now begins Rocket Shop Radio Hour. We have an awesome guest, Adam Henry Garcia, with us tonight. Adam, how are you? Hi, I'm well. I'm well. I keep sipping my water incessantly, so I'm hydrated and well. I mean, it's always good to stay hydrated. I definitely don't do that myself. So, I mean, welcome back. I remember hearing you for Portraits of Sawyer, yes. which by chance we meet again. Indeed we do, um, yes. But very happy that that's the case. Yes, so, um, obviously you're here solo tonight. I am. It's just me. Yes. Me and the guitar. <laughs> so, talk us through, you know, the difference between kind of being in Portraits of Sawyer, being in a band, and then kind of your solo career. It's it's. Interesting, because being in Portraits of Sawyer, it's me and one other person, Ben Wiggins, who is exceptionally talented, um, just a really great lyricist, a wonderful voice. And I generally play the guitar and sing uh, backup vocals, which is awesome. And I love that relationship. I love being able to do that. And then anything that doesn't sort of get exercised, I think, in that band is where I live when it's just me and the guitar. Um, I've been playing alone for a long, long time and sort of started to write songs that felt like actual songs eventually. Um, and so, yeah, it feels like time to to share mine as well. Gotcha. But, yeah. So the writing process for Portraits of Sawyer, do you and Ben, you said? Ben, yeah. Ben, right. Um, you two, do you co-write together or do you find that one of you kind of does more of the songwriting versus guitar parts? It's interesting. I, you know, it's cool because we sort of will trade off the responsibility sort of organically based on whatever the music could be. Like, for example, I totally worked up this sort of loud rocking piece of music and couldn't for the life of me come up with anything that made any sense lyrically. And Ben had it for a while, like sort of a back pocket tune and eventually just came up with these really great, strong lyrics, this awesome melody. And we just sort of traded it back and forth. And I was just super impressed with where he took it. It's never where I would have, um, which I think is really cool when you work with someone else and are able to sort of share the process. Um, that song is called Mullet Action. Um, it's just a specifically like rocking song that he, he took to a place that I definitely wouldn't have. And it was, uh, it was really cool to, to watch and work on with him. There you go. Yeah, definite <laughs> perks to working with others. Um, oh, for you sure. Know, working off of the creativity of others, but also great that you're doing, you know, always always have been doing things yourself as well. <laughs> so um, we always love to kick it off with a song. So cool. we would love to hear one. What okay. Have you got? This is uh, Letter to Leopold. I just put out um, an 11 track piece and it's um, the first song. Uh, the album is actually titled Letters to Leopold, therefore. There are multiple, and this is singular. Take that for what it's worth. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 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 
Henry Garcia. Yes. So congratulations on the album. Thank when you. When was that released? I, I know it's this year, just recently. Yeah, it was, ah, geez, I want to say a couple weeks ago. The oh days are like a giant blob, but yes, it was. So <laughs> super was recent. Ago. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So um, obviously that song, as you said, you know, kind of follows the title. Um, take us through, you know, what were your inspirations for the album and, you know, the creation process of that? It's funny. There's, um, there's an old Warner Brothers cartoon where um, Bugs Bunny is Leopold, like um, Mozart's father. Mm-hmm. And when he walks into the, the symphony hall, everybody's like, oh, Leopold, it's Leopold, Leopold. And they're all like, ooh, Leopold. And I feel like for artists and, and probably a lot of other careers, but I think people who make creative work, there's, <laughs> there's like a Leopold and then there's like the person that like, likes an egg sandwich or enjoys a ball game. And then there's Leopold, which is like a vision um, that other people might have of them. Oh, you're pursuing acting. What have I seen you on that I am familiar with? And maybe you did some great play in the village that they don't know and you're super proud of it. And you're left sort of explaining the value of it as the person. And you're sort of trying to always reconcile those two things. So it's basically me talking to Leopold um, the version of myself that might be out there 
on some level for consumption, whether it's, you know, family, friends, myself, like, oh, this guy, you need to hit this bar. You need to reach this goal. And then there's, you know, Leopold, who um, is sort of lofty. And then there's the real person who is, um, you know, just at home. He's a dad. Like, he likes uh, skateboarding. Like, stuff like that. And I feel like there, there can be a sort of duality. And it's nice to find the middle ground, maybe. Um, and I feel like the album basically just kind of dances back and forth between those two th- <clears throat> Excuse me, between those two things. So that's it. I love that. <laughs> I mean, firstly... I used to watch Bugs Bunny as a kid, so nice. I love the reference. I know exactly what you're referencing. Oh, I'm like nice. having a flashback in my brain. <laughs> He's got like the powdered wig and like yes. and Bugs Bunny's never looked so He's intense. So funny. But um yeah, I love that message as well. So in terms of, you know, deciding what songs to put on the album, did you kind of have a, have like a concept as you were um like writing? Like did you kind of know that this was the concept that you were going for and then kind of crafted songs around it? Or did the songs kind of just come as they kind of came and then put on the project it's funny it's it's kind of a bit of both it's mm-hmm. like the first like three or four we're like oh this one's kind of cool and then it's like oh that was terrible let's you know throw that in the scrap pile and eventually there was enough to be like oh this is there's like a similarity here this is feeling somewhat cohesive and then having the idea with the song i just played as like oh this will be what kind of kicks it off and then sort of filling in the holes with the idea in mind so i would say definitely like a bit of both for sure gotcha and do you find that you sort of have like a i don't know kind of like a framework of a vetting process for like which ones (laughs) make it or which one don't um or which ones don't or do you think um it's kind of more like dependent on the project itself i think i mean that's a a great question because I think a lot of people, especially this day and age where we can record at home and generate like a pretty respectable piece of music, we can film stuff like talk about a gate, a gate kept world, right? Where it's like film was so expensive and you could never make the content the way that we make it now, which is amazing. But also there's a lot of stuff that doesn't go through a vetting process. Um, I remember when I was much younger, I was in an independent movie with a guy who wrote and directed and produced and edited and scored and like catered. And I've been that guy too. And it's like, who steps in to be like, uh, excuse me, that maybe isn't a great line of dialogue right there. Maybe it's terrible. Have you considered that? And so I feel like just trying to be sincere, you know, trying to be honest, playing it to like a small trusted circle and being like, you know, I actually did send, I had probably about 15 songs and sent them to people that were close to me, my wife, Emily, um, my friend Aiden, I sent it to my parents, um, just, you know, tiny tight group to sort of help me rein me in. And what was interesting is that, you know, I'm not a big focus group person. I feel like that can get really rough, but with a tiny tight group of people you trust, I do feel like it was like, Oh, three out of the four of them said this one song, no go. So it's like, Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's enough for me. Um, but yeah, it felt pretty solid in the end, I, I suppose, just in terms of trying to have that sincerity and just be like, yeah, this feels like a, a strong song. And and I like music and I have taste. <laughs> maybe maybe it's not going to bother too many people if they listen to it. Maybe they'll like it. Right. I mean, <laughs> other listening ears on, on any type of art can definitely be helpful. Indeed. So we would love to hear another song. Mm. So go ahead and play whatever you've got for us. Yes. <clears throat> this song's called Bangarang. You guys remember Hook? Does anybody remember Hook, Rufio, Bangarang? Yeah, that was that was a moment in time. Robin Williams, rest in peace. <clears throat> mm. 
has not advanced much since college days. I feel like Richie Tenenbaum, a grown man painting Margot's face. And with certainty there isn't much that I can say, except in both cases there's love, 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 love. T. John Big is sitting in his room playing guitar. Martini bar and the Moyers Arnold stuff of legend. Yeah, you raise the bar. Baby Boston's where you are. You'll be a star. You'd be a star. All the songs you sang, they were bang There's a mystery, it's written in the stars for all to find. There's a luxury in saying it's your problem, it's not mine. There's a tragedy when you are free, just don't rough up your life. Don't tell your wife. touch of the the hand at the end. <laughs> yes. It was Bangarang That's by Adam Henry Garcia. That's the period on the, on the song. Is you got to give it the jazz thing? hands. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. So we spoke about how you obviously have had, you know, some listening ears to kind of, you know, get you through that vetting process. But in terms of the actual production process, how did you go about recording and mixing? Is that something that you um, vet out to other people or do some of that in-house? I, um, it's funny for a while, especially like early, early days. Um, it was me, uh, Ben and I mixed a ton. Like we, back in Brooklyn in like 2007, 2008, it was like garage band in a bedroom. The microphone didn't even have a stand. It was just like sitting on the, the edge of the desk. 
And it was one of those things where it's like, come on, guys, get a stand. But then also there's an element of like, oh, man, these guys just want to do this so much that they don't care if there's ambient noise, you know, roommates watching get lost outside. Like, it didn't matter. We're going to do it anyway. Um, and I, I actually made music with another guy named Scott. Um, we made a mockumentary movie called The Beverages about this terrible band. And we made probably, I think it was like eight songs together. And it was a very comparable process. Um, that was very naked. And it's gotten better and more refined, I think, as the years have gone on. It would have to, because otherwise, like, what a waste of time. Um, and it's funny, some of those old tunes for me and Ben, I think, and, and um, the, the movie was called The Beverages, the beverages music as well, remains some favorites. But it's like sentimental favorites, I think, on some level. Um, but yeah, these days I'll record... I have a nice sort of like clean sound booth area um, and I'll do guitar and vocal, but I do farm out the mix. Um, a guy named Jeremy Chow did primarily the mix and then uh, another uh, mixer named Derek Lynn did one of the songs. Um, so all told, it was Jeremy and then one song from Derek. And then I, I mix before I give it because, you know, that guy who writes, directs, edits, caters and everything else. But thankfully, I, I feel like I learned this on film sets trying to sort of like rig up sound that is acceptable is such a fool's errand when you can hire somebody who's made it their life's work to capture quality sound. And I think the same is true if you can, if you have favors to call in or somebody who's able to do it for a modest budget, or if you can afford somebody who costs a lot, but farming out some of the really sort of specific work to people who are just really good at it and have made it their business you just kind of stumbling into it. You're just probably not, unless you're like Mozart in terms of virtuosity, you're not going to be as good as somebody who's kind of made it their calling card, which took a while to learn. It's like in my 20s, I'm like, I can do everything. It's like, you really can't. Um, so yeah, now much, much more um, uh, collaboration involved. Gotcha. Yeah. And so in terms of your songwriting process, I always kind of like to get into the brains of our artists. So what does that typical songwriting process look like for you? How do songs come to you? Um, do you have like the instrumentation sort of come to you first or lyrics or kind of at the same time? It's, it's, I feel like it's almost always music first. And the nice thing about basing it with the guitar, you and the guitar is like, oh, there you go. Like I'll be working, the guitar hangs on the wall. And I'll take it down and just be like, oh, you know, three, four chords, whatever. See how that feels. It's like, wow, that was really boring. Put the guitar away and don't pick it up again. And then another day, something is modified in those four and there's a fifth chord or an interesting change or, you know, whatever. And it becomes, oh, it kind of sticks in your head. And then you're sort of playing it again and again and trying to find the, the chorus, trying to find the bridge. And then for me... I like to record just like a, a pretty, you know, like on the phone, like slapdash version, and then carry that around for words, for lyrics. Um, when I lived in New York, I used to love getting on the train with some of those like super rough demos and trying to sort of write words while you listen to those um, sort of empty tracks. That was nice. And I still do something sort of comparable, but I'm not riding the subway, so it's a little different. Um, but yeah, I would say almost exclusively, uh, music first and then, then the lyrics. Yeah. And how often do you find that songs come to you? Do you kind of like stick with the same ones for a little while and like marinate in them? Or, um, do you find that you're like writing, you know, 
often and like a lot. Lots of marinating, lots for of sure. Marinating. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I like that word. I feel like it just it makes sense. In this it does. Context. Yeah, it sounds warm. It sounds, <laughs> yeah, it sounds cozy. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. I think that's the other thing. It's like those days with the microphone on the table was like, oh, let's you know get through this thing. And you know, Ben was always more sort of studious with his work and a little bit more um, like perfection oriented which rubbed off on me because I would just slap out whatever. It wasn't like the beverages stuff is well enough recorded, but it's very sort of goofy and fun. Like it was a lot of fun, but there were, there were two very different camps at that time. And I found that my, my own stuff lived somewhere between the two. Um, but yeah, I, I, these days a lot more sort of marinating with stuff and letting it live for a while. Um, like some of these songs, a couple of the ones from the album, I've carried around for like three, four years and others. It's interesting. Suddenly there's, you know, one day and it go downstairs and lay the vocal and be like, Oh, that's okay. And then polish it another day or two. And there it is. And it took literally a week. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a spectrum for sure. Right. And so you and Ben have been working together. I kind of remember this from your, your last interview when yeah. he was in here too. You've been working together for a while. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. We met in college and I, Jeez, I was a freshman in 01, um, and he was already there. Um, and we tried, it's funny, I think we talked about this, but we tried to play music and was like, well, that was terrible. Have a good summer, you know, <laughs> and that was that. And then eventually we reconnected much later in um, like 07, 08, when we lived in Brooklyn. Um, and we recorded then, and it was really a lot more exciting and interesting. And, and um, we, you know, we were both involved, which was cool. Um, it was like, you know, two people trying to do two different things at once the first time, you know, and kind of came together um, nicely the second time around. And I feel like, honestly, even the same, I have these old recordings from, you know, when I go home for the summer and work as a pool boy and <laughs> come home and record into my computer. It's like, God, this vocal is terrible. I sound like I'm, I'm singing like the Marriage of Figaro over like a very humble guitar riff. And it's like, God, you don't know what you're doing. And it's, yeah, clearly it's time, you know, and obviously not for everybody. Some people catapult and get it right off the top. And I think with me, it's been, you know, time has, has been valuable. Well, you've got to start somewhere and you know, it's, it's the perseverance (laughs) that counts. It's true. So, um, you mentioned living in New York. Um, and I, I know from your bio, you've lived in a few different places. So Boston, Brooklyn, um, Jersey to name a few. Um, and how have those kind of like shaped your sound and style and how does Vermont kind of fit in there? Like how have you kind of maybe changed or stayed the same here in Vermont in terms of your style? Oh, Vermont has definitely helped with the like, calm down. Like you don't need to like rattle through, you know, just like to your point about the the marinating. It's like, there is definitely something here. I mean, talk about, you know, one of the most beautiful places maybe on the face of the earth. Right. So it's, it's okay to pause. It's okay to kind of take a breath. Um, I think Jersey, in my experience, lots of good senses of humor. Um, the people I grew up with, um, people who I, I still love to this day dearly. A um, little abrasive, you know, lots of <laughs> lots of hand gestures get used when people are driving. You know, there's that vibe. And I think that can be useful, I think, lyrically. Brooklyn was home for over 11 years, all throughout my 20s. And my wife and I moved in about halfway through my time there together. We had our son there um, for the first five and a half months of his life. He lived in Brooklyn too. He likes to tell people he was born in Manhattan because that's cool and he's cooler than all the rest of us. Um, But yeah, it definitely is or was, I think, my first home that wasn't where I grew up. So 
I don't necessarily know how that influences the music, but it's it's there, I think. And Boston was college. Boston was, oh my God, there's a world outside of New Jersey. So many people have left New Jersey and delighted in that reality that there's a world outside New Jersey. I love New Jersey, but yeah, good to good to step away and right. uh, and go to college and be in Boston. And I met some really good friends up there. Ben, for example, um, my friend Scott, who I um, made the beverages music with, Aiden. Um, who I mentioned, um, and my my next door neighbor, my freshman year, uh, a guy named Tony, he was always playing the guitar, and I, you know, had a few Dave Matthews songs in my back pocket, and that was, you know, embarrassing at at, at best. And he was always playing really interesting stuff. Um, he taught me how to play Blackbird, which I remember was a bit of a, a turning point in terms of like, oh God, this this is a brilliant. B, it feels like this song has always been in the instrument of the guitar. It's always just been here because it goes up and down the neck. There's lots of open strings. And it was, yeah, it was really eye-opening. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would credit uh, Tony as well. But, yeah, that that is, I suppose, Jersey, Boston, Brooklyn. Yeah, and Vermont. There you go. <laughs> I'm so glad I could get them all. <laughs> Uh, Blackbird is a tough one as well. Oh, I for sure. can't do it myself. I try. It's it's still a work in progress, for God's sake. <laughs> so in terms of, um, we spoke a little bit about this before the interview, but in terms of your inspirations for, you know, sound and artists either growing up or just throughout the years, who are kind of like your your biggest inspirations as of recent and just as of in your life? Um, my, I think my favorite single artist like Desert Island, pound for pound, um, it's probably Elliot Smith. I think I would take EXO to the Desert Island. Um, I found it back when his music was on the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack, and when I was in high school, those were the Miramax movie days, so like everybody was watching all of those, like Pulp Fiction, um, Goodwill Hunting, all that stuff. And the soundtrack, my friend Chris, who's still a good friend to this day, um, had a beat-up old Toyota Camry, me, Chris, my friend John, and my friend Steve would ride around, much like the four guys in Good Will Hunting. We were definitely living out some sort of weird parallel, like, oh, put on Angelus and let's look forlorn because we're 16 and have stupid 16-year-old problems. Not that there aren't real problems for 16-year-olds, but you know what I mean. A lot of angst. Um, but the music was really profound back then, and, and I could still, to this day, put on Angelus from uh, either or and just feel so much um and it's a man and like two guitars and there's that like weird whistle thing that happens at the beginning and then happens again at the very end and it kind of carries you in and carries you out and it's just uh, yeah i love him so much my son's name is elliot and it was part of the reason um i suggested it um to my wife and we bandied a few names around and my middle name is henry and henry was high on the list um henry is his middle name elliot won out and i think um in, in at least um, some part was due to my love of Elliot Smith, for sure. I love that. <laughs> well, we would love to hear another song, sure. so go right ahead. <laughs> this song is an oldie. This actually was written when I was uh, doing pool service with my old friend Steve. We had a pool van and everything. It's not about pool service, though. The song is called Riot Girl. <clears throat>
walking through the rain Everybody I walk past looks like they're in pain If I smile at anyone they'll look back at me like I'm insane Maybe I am insane But it's all good I made it to the block Where this pretty girl I know she dresses hair and wears a smock won't stop in today cause her boyfriend's there And that's a roadblock Soaking wet I make it to my place Walk past my neighbor with a nice face And obligatory yellows fill the space My room is so damn hot and I'm out of luck my fan is broken and my window's stuck I get so pissed that it look like I I don't give up My attitude today Is one where it'd be best if you just stayed out of my way You can't change the way I feel
Riot girl, Adam Henry Garcia. Perhaps we could say a marination song. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Uh, yeah, started in college, just the music, and then yeah, eventually had the words and recorded it in a very janky old Mac laptop, a white, you know, one of those white box ones, million years ago. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was one I liked then, and it's one of the few that actually I still I still enjoy. Love it. So on top of being a musician, you're also an actor, a video editor, and a producer as well. Just a lot of hats. So yeah. jack of all <laughs> trades sitting right in front of us. Master of none. So tell us about that side of your life. Um, editing I love. I've loved it since I was like 16 years old. I um, uh, took a TV productions class in high school. My school was... Um, I was fortunate enough that they had like a studio and they would do like morning announcements and it was, you know, it was cool. It was all very buttoned up. And my friends and I were, you know, um, goofy, let's say. And we kind of wanted to do something else. Um, there's another kid that we went to school with a year older. Uh, his name is uh, John Milheiser. He's actually on SNL as a featured player for a bit. Um, funny guy. And he did these videos outside of class and the teacher was like, okay, cool. As long as you're using the editing equipment, etc., like you can do that. And so I was like, uh, can I do that? And so my friends and I made basically what is a library of videos that likely don't need to see the light of day, except among our friends and families, but they brought so much joy. And I remember learning at that time, if you edit, you can finish things and you can actually like, see something through to the end and it, it becomes like a tangible thing. Um, so editing, I learned then and I've been doing it ever since. And I, I do still love it. It's, um, it's kind of like the most epic video game uh, ever. Um, cause you're dealing with people and you're sort of building these like timelines that eventually become, you know, the things that we love, like movies, TV shows. And yeah, it's, it's always, um, been profound, uh, to me. Acting is a ridiculous industry. It is <laughs> kind of a self-esteem eroding mess, except when you're doing it on stage or on screen and you know your lines like you know your own name and you're moving through the scene comfortably, it is better than any drug. Like it is the coolest like lift off. And that sounds a little ridiculous and maybe a little pretentious, but I promise it A, doesn't happen very often. I mean, I'm, you know, a good actor. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, Olivier or anything. I'm sure it happened more to him. But it is a great feeling when you sort of are in, in the boots of the person that you're inhabiting. And that is rare, um, but super, super special. And it's kind of the fix that you kind of keep coming back for, I think. A lot of people do. The attention is cool. And obviously being on a TV show that your uncle's familiar with, like, that's cool. But even just doing a play in front of 10 people... Um, can also really, really be cool. So acting is, is a tricky one. I very much have a love-hate with acting. Um, I've been on you know a few TV shows and things I'm proud of, but it's definitely not my day-to-day. -day. It's not where I hang my hat, to be honest. Um, and yeah, producing, I have a small company and usually every two years I will write and produce um, something. Um, a few years ago, I did a series called Yes, We Candidate, and uh, it was filmed in Vermont all around um, Winooski, Burlington, Essex, Colchester. A lot of um, local people involved. Michael Fisher is an amazing cinematographer, but he does like everything. He's an absolute genius. Um, we worked with him. Uh, ben was in it. He was also a very good actor. Um, and then 
recently finished a series called Fairy Tale Fallout, which is about fairy tale characters that nobody gives a crap about that are in the background. Um, they're sort of in the foreground in the series. And it's like monologues, but lots of cutaways. And it was really, really fun. And it's a cool way to sort of meld a few things because I will act in it, but I'll also edit. And yeah, I do get to sort of keep the machine oiled, I think, these days, even as I go almost fully gray and uh, approach 40. <laughs> <laughs> So the skills um, and just experiences that you've gained from acting and editing and producing, how do those skills kind of lend themselves to music then? Do you kind of feel that those kind of all integrate together in certain ways? It's Yeah, that's, that's totally sharp. You're right. It definitely does. Because specifically, like with the, the mixing that I was doing and even now that the tinkering I'll do before I hand it off to somebody, the, the basic sort of like... Um, toolbox is is sort of the same as as sound editing and obviously there's a pretty quick fork in the road but like just the basic to know how to make a cut to know how to make a trim to you know raise volume lower volume that kind of thing like immediately the uh, editing and hands-on production stuff helped a lot with that and then the acting thing is just provided fodder for sometimes happy and mostly just angry and bitter songwriting which is not a bad thing i mean in a sense it's a good uh a good source of inspiration, I think, for like the full spectrum, you know, the comedy and drama masks, like it's, it's both sides for sure. Right. <laughs> and so, I mean, a lot of artists, I would kind of think, you know, maybe, you know, those would lend themselves well to creating like music videos as well. That's a good point. Um, yeah. yeah. Has that, you know, been true for you? It's, it's hilarious. Honestly, I've literally written, I don't know, like 50 songs in my life and have never made a music video for any of them, which is kind of an absurd, um, like what? It just doesn't really add up. I have thought about it a few times. I don't know. I've just maybe never gotten a concept that felt strong enough to, to pursue or if, if I'm going to get out the camera or do that kind of work, it's usually for like narrative stuff, stuff that's written. Um, but yeah, I, it's really, it's kind of a weird little hole in the resume because music videos i grew up in the 90s like that was possibly the coolest thing you could do i mean michelle gondry stuff spike jones oh my god the sabotage video yeah yeah that means i should probably go make a video well there's still time (laughs) (laughs) the night is young (laughs) (laughs) so in terms of um what you're up to as of late any upcoming projects or concepts that you're working on music wise that you would like people to know about Um, just this, this recent release, um, Ben and I are always sort of back and forth sharing stuff. We would like to record, um, an EP together in the near future if we can. Um, yeah, I think, you know, gigging again would be cool. Like he and I have done it. I've done it as well. The whole COVID thing kind of put a crimp in that obviously among, you know, everything else in life, but yeah, nothing super hyper specific. Just the the letters to Leopold album that's that's out. That would be probably the the most interesting current thing music wise. For sure. And some marinating going on in the yes. background. Yes, you know. and that's an amazing com- accomplishment. <laughs> and um, any upcoming gigs? I know you said COVID kind of you know obviously has gotten in the way of that, but yeah, just you guys. I I mean now I need to go and play somewhere after I make my music video. Um, but yeah, I you know it's funny. I I always enjoy it, but I I do still get nervous. I've I've been on camera in front of a fair amount of people in theater. But the interesting thing is that you you're you're fed the lines. So like yes, you're out there. You can be pretty naked, vulnerable, whatever. 
but you know what you're going to say because you memorize the script and that's it. And music is so naked. Like, it's just, there's you singing about, you know, your dog or whatever. Like, it can be pretty brutal. Um, and I do still have, and I like this, but it can also be inconvenient. I do still have, like, the butterflies when I when I play. So it does sort of slow me down sometimes. It's been great to do it with Ben because I get to play guitar and, you know, he's the front man and, you know, he handles it quite well. Um, I'm finally you know stepping stepping into the into the light a little bit with with performing music so yeah hopefully more to come gotcha <laughs> and we always like to give all of our artists the bragging rights to promote yourself so um <laughs> you know allow our listeners to know where to find your music um what cool. platforms etc the spotlight is yours thank you um I am on under Adam Henry Garcia on Apple Music. There's like a fair amount of stuff. The most recent and definitely the most high quality is Letters to Leopold. Um, also on Spotify and Tidal. And it's funny if you do DistroKid, the service, they just you're just on everything. So like there's like a whole like Rolodex of like little logos. But um, yeah, all the places that you get music. If you look up my three names, um, you'll find me. And then Bandcamp as well. There's a couple of things on Bandcamp that aren't on um, the other places. And then the only other thing I'd like to mention is I made a series called Fairy Tale Fallout, which I mentioned before. It's just at fairytalefallout.com. There is some music in there. It's not my music, so <laughs> maybe it's not exactly a perfect cross promotion, but it is a series I made locally. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. So put that out there since the spotlight was on me. Exactly. You got to use it when it's on you. I mean, come on. Perfect. Well, we would love to hear your final song tonight. Okay. Well, this one is for my kids. This is for Isabel, Phoebe, and Elliot. Um, the song is called Scarecrow Mike. It is an old beverages song from that mockumentary from a million years ago. It was actually the first song Scott and I recorded in my bedroom with the microphone on the table. Um, it is one of those ones that sentimentally is still uh, a favorite. And my kids really, they, it's like the only song that I know of that all three of them are like, play that song. I'm like, listen to this new one. They're like, no, play, play that old one. So this is Scarecrow Mike for, for my babies. <clears throat> finger to the school 
Here's a field man, I've gone far Don't cut through it, that's the farmer's rule Forget the farmer, I'm gonna follow that star Damn, this field looks smooth from afar I'm tripping, falling, where's my car? I've got to see her eyes What's that moving off to the right? Something coming out of the night It's just that old scarecrow, right? Well, not this time, scarecrow came Thank you so much for coming in tonight. It was a pleasure, as always. It was a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. And this has been Rocket Shop Radio Hour on 105.9 FM WOMMLP Burlington. Don't forget to tune in next week. We have brunch. This has been Abby BK, your host tonight. And we hope you have a wonderful night. Good night. Woo! <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. I understand why your kids.